today on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. It's Jay Lehman's turn to react to Illinois football's 20-7 loss to Nebraska. And to be honest with you, Jay and I didn't even talk that much about the loss. Uh, but we talk about the big picture of the loss and following a devastating loss to Purdue 44-19. Where's this program at? What does a 2-4 and four start mean for this program? How much harm has a 2-4 and four start done to this program? Jay Lehman dives into that and is really honest, maybe brutally honest, about the start for Illinois football and the impact it could have on Brett Bielma's program and where they go from here, how important these final six games are for this program. And we even talk about the offseason. It's October 10th, and we're talking about the offseason already. But that's the reality of where us as outsiders have to be with this program. And, of course, we talk about this week's game at Maryland. Is Maryland the toughest opponent on Illinois football schedule? Are they better than Penn State? If so, if not, where are they better? Where could they struggle? Does Illinois have any chance at this game? We talk about that with Jay Lehman. That's coming up next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. But first, you've heard us talk about Homefield Apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with Homefield because their designs are the best out there. Some of our favorites at Illini Enquirer are the Basketball Ringer Tee, their Rose Tee, and the 1980s Long Sleeve with that script Illini mm, perfection. Be sure to go to homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. If you use that code Illini23, it gets you 15% off your first order. So we know you're all wearing Illini gear. So if you're in need of a refresh, we really think you should check out Homefield Apparel. Their designs are super unique and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Homefield is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and again, use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order. That's a line I-23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's Tuesday, a day later, but Jay Lehman's a busy man, uh, but we're happy we could squeeze him in because, Jay, I think you coming on the podcast is cathartic for Illini fans because, one, they get to discuss and hear about the issues that are happening on this season, but also, I mean, Brett Bielma's was frustrated, you're frustrated, everybody watching this is frustrated. Yeah, that was, that was one of the – we've had some frustrating names this season – uh, that was probably the most frustrating when I saw the mistakes that were made and just the kind of mistakes that were made. Uh, probably the biggest one is just the kickoff mistake. Uh, I'm screaming at the TV thinking this is this is a high school football team mistake. Obviously, there's wind. Um, and I heard you say it on, on a previous podcast. If a guy's not ready to adjust and catch a ball like that, should not be back there at this level. Um so to see things like that, to see some of the breakdowns uh, offensively, it, it just was really, really, really a struggle. Really, really a struggle to watch. And I think what's most painful to me is that 
Illinois fans have seen this trek on a coach's career before, yeah. and they really don't want this to be another trek. Uh, but it, it has similar patterns of 2002, of 2008. Difficult, difficult years for Illinois fans, and so it's it's hard to kind of not see that. Jay, like alarm bells are going off in my head when I when I see that kickoff, when I see the punt, when I when I see these things happening, sure, sure. these these mistakes that to me I'm like, oh my gosh, for the first time in the Brett Bielma era, I feel like this is not coached well. Like I, that, no. like that's what goes off in my head, and I've, I'm like, that's what I thought we saw the first two seasons. So how alarming have these last two games been for you? These two losses to first-year coaches, Ryan Walters, Matt Rule. Um, how alarming have those been and why? So a really good point. First off, first-year first, first year coaches. These are programs that are largely rebuilding, uh, although Nebraska is rebuilding more than Purdue from a personnel perspective. Nebraska is not a good football team. I've watched three of their games in total, like three full games just at the, at the network. I think Matt Rule's a good coach. They're not a good football team. They're not athletic. They don't have a lot of team speed. They're not that physical other than in their run defense, but they're not overly physical. That's about it. When you talk about their D-line and some of their, their linebackers, they're not a good football team. Guys, that, that is a bottom, not even a top 50 or 60 football team that we could not score on, basically, other than the one touchdown. That, that's the thing. This is not a good football team. Purdue is right now not a good football team. And we, we, we haven't really been close in the fourth quarter. Uh, we were close, I guess, within two possessions because of the defense getting some turnovers and the lacklusterness of the Nebraska offense. What's, what's so alarming to me is that just it's such college football, the games, the seasons, the program is such a momentum play. We have a ton of momentum built up. It's tough to get momentum. Everything's easier when there's momentum. We've got absolutely zero momentum. I would say we're going to start to see on the recruiting trail as well, where, hey, there's going to be, I hope not, a possible decommence. I think somebody just decommitted recently. I We're going to have trouble getting conversations with some of the players that we had. I can't remember who the outside linebacker was. I think he committed out uh, Ohio State, but we had him on campus a number of times this year he was from chicago area uh marquis you know. lightfoot who uh committed to miami yeah miami i'm sorry uh but we were but at least we we're in the discussion with four or five different teams right there's been a while we have been in discussion so i think the cumulative effect of all that is is alarming from a macro perspective the boneheaded mistakes the turnovers the special teams play not this game but improving the penalties have just been so discouraging and, and the ineptness of the blocking and tackling at points have been bad as well how damaging jay i mean you're kind of hitting at it how damaging is this to a program in year three i, I think it's i think it's devastating and i and here's the thing i i like this staff i i, I want this staff to do well i'm obviously I'm an alumni I, I still think that brett bielema is a great football coach i still think he's the guy so i just want to I want to say that, but to say that these last, you know, let's just say four or five weeks have not been devastating would be an understatement. We're, we're not beating teams that we beat previously. Um, we are, you know, in a bad, bad Big Ten West. We seem to be maybe the worst team, po quite possibly. I thought that was Northwestern. We, we might be the worst team through six games. That's not hyperbole. That's just looking at the tape. 
Northwestern has a Power Five division win. We don't. We might be the worst team in the Big Ten West. We're probably better than Indiana. Right. We thought we were going to, and so so that's where we're at. Whether we're a better football team than that or not, talent-wise, or we're a different stage of program, our record is what we are. That's what people see. And it's kind of the way it's looked has been really concerning. These haven't been overly close losses. These have not been what we've been accustomed to under Brett Bielema. And so I'm very alarmed at the lack of competitiveness, the lack of fundamentals that have been quite honestly missing from the offensive and defensive side. And that's not something we've seen. And so when I see that breakdown and the special teams breakdown, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but I am raising the alarm bells that this is not a good place to be at when you're trying to build a program and get sustained momentum, something Illinois hasn't had for years. Listen, Jay, we can throw out the, the Big Ten West contender. We can throw out even the discussion right now about a potential bowl game, right? They got six opportunities here left. Two of them I just don't see them having a really good chance at. But they're set to lose some of their best players after this season. So you got seven weeks, six games left here. What What is the importance of the final six games of this season for Brett Bielema and his team and his program? Well, I think it's very critical. You're 8-5 and five last year. You don't finish the way you want to. And if you finish with a three-win or a four-win team, even a five-win, very disappointing. It's a disappointing season. There's no other way to put it. This is what we've seen with Illinois, and we got it with the COVID year a little bit. There's a class that comes in. Lovey Smith's roughly his second or third recruiting class, right, that that, that Sydney and, and all those guys came in on. Um, they practice – they probably play way too early. They get a lot of experience. By the time they're fourth, fifth, or in this case – sixth-year seniors, they're just as good as the high-level recruits they're playing against, but there is a vacuum after them of people that in 18, 19, 20 were probably the same level of recruits as Sydney and other people coming out of high school, but they don't have the three or four years of experience to make them as good, right? And so we have this vacuum of is that the vacuum we're feeling right now where Brett's guys really haven't taken hold? We're in that vacuum of the 1920 recruiting class and we don't have a ton of huge leaders. But then again, I'll come back. We do have some. We do have a Johnny Newton. We do have a Keith Randolph who have been playing pretty well, I will say. We we, we do have a Tariq Barnes. We have Isaiah Adams who was a Juco guy. We, we have a couple pieces. But back to your original question, it would be a huge disappointment. It'd be a huge momentum blow. I think it will affect the portal. I think it will affect recruiting. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I'm worried about long-term, especially as we go into a Big Ten West that's going to look drastically different from 2024 on. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I hate to go so macro – or um, yeah, macro so early in this conversation. We'll dive into Nebraska a little bit here, Jay. But the offseason, like the, the portal, they – they got to be more aggressive, right? Like if they want to compete next year, I mean, you're going to lose Johnny and Keith and Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams and maybe Isaiah Williams too, right? So it feels like the portal, they got to be more aggressive than they've been here recently. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think they were aggressive with the quarterback play, but we we are going to have some opportunities in the portal at the D-line position, at the offensive line position. And I think those are the portal positions that you really want to hit because those are the most red, those are the guys that are hardest when you recruit to get them ready to play. 
Um, and so, but guess what? There's a lot of fighting over portal players, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the offensive line and defensive line, I thought we kind of had an identity as a defensive line development machine, as an offensive line development machine. I'm not sure how much that identity is going to carry over this season, but we've got to be better in the portal. Even Purdue got a lot of SEC defensive linemen out of the portal and got them to, to, to play in West Lafayette. We can do that too. I just don't know with the momentum where we're at right now is the pitch. Hey, listen, the guys we have are good enough. We need you to come in and play right now. And maybe you sell that because certainly we're not being very competitive right now. All right, Jay, let's focus a little bit on this team right now because there's still plenty of time here. Is this offense broken and why or why not? Well, it sure looks broken. Uh, and when you when you watch him play, and again, I, I like Barry Lunny. I thought in year one under Barry Lunny, the offense did take a jump. And although it had its struggles, it really limited mistakes. Um, didn't have a lot of big plays. Didn't have a lot of big mistakes. We didn't give up a lot of sacks. Not a ton of negative plays on the ground. Chase Brown erased some errors. We didn't have a lot of turnovers. So when you talk about what Brett says is most football games are lost rather than won. We were that to a T last year as an offense. And you couple that with a dynamic once in a generation defense. If you're an Illinois fan, uh, you have a successful season. Now, right now, 21 yards rushing, 19 carries. I know there's some sack yardage and negative plays in there. Your, your run game is broken. I don't care how good Nebraska's rush defense is. Uh, they, they did give up 200 yards or so against Michigan running the ball as well. So, I mean, it's not that good. I know Michigan has a defense, a good offensive line and good run attack. Your run game is broken. Your pass game, other than Isaiah Williams, who has – I will give Isaiah Williams credit. He's been consistent. Uh, I know he's yet to get into the end zone, but uh, been largely, largely consistent. Pat Bryant has talent. We saw the talent Pat Bryant flashed this game. It hasn't, it hasn't been consistent. Um, we, we see some talent from the tight ends, but Luke Altmaier is showing some of his growing pains. He's not an experienced quarterback, and we're seeing that. I think if you give Luke Altmaier time, I think he has the tools to be a good quarterback. I don't think he's a guy you can just run for 21 yards and say, let's put on Luke Altmaier's back. I think right now he's a complimentary quarterback. But I've just been talking about the skill guys. What's broken here is the offensive line. And no matter who the skill guys are, we will not be able to score more points than we have if we don't fix the issues on the offensive line. I think Isaiah Adams has improved at tackle. I do. I still think he's a better guard. Yeah. I've already said that from, from day one. I think that he'll, he'll be a guard in the NFL. I think Julian Pearl's played solid, but we've had a – rotating uh, and I think Cruz for the most time most part has played, played solid for his first year as starter but with Gasky being out Chrysler being out we, we just had some issues uh, at injury and you know Brett comes out and says well we knew it was going to be a, an issue coming into the fall right did we or <laughs> or did we think that was a strength mm-hmm. um, sounds like they might have seen some of the lack of depth and, and I, I didn't get it we, we don't have a ton of depth at offensive line but the reality is, is that no offense, whoever your skill guys are, are actually going to do anything better if the offensive line is like that. And it makes me wonder, how good was Chase Brown? Did Chase Brown make up for a lot of mistakes 
by making one or two guys miss that some of our backs can't make miss now that made them rush for so many yards. Again, a long answer. And I'll let you ask a question. No, it's (laughs) great. It's a great answer. And I think uh, I know Jay talking to somebody that they think Chase Brown outran some mistakes and also that Tommy DeVito got the ball out so quickly that 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 covered up some mistakes as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of heat on Barry Loney Jr. You can see it and hear it, uh, obviously. And when you're not producing in year two of an offense, that certainly will be there. So I want to ask you, Jay, I mean, I have to put in the caveat, like when you have an offensive line like this, it's hard to, to call plays. So how much of this is personnel? How much is scheme play calling right now? Yeah, so we, we've seen Barry Lunny both at UTSA and, and, and last year have successful game plans. We've seen largely the scripted drives of each week this season have been pretty successful. They haven't finished the drives great. We know they, they've gotten kind of caught up in the red zone or in this case on the one for this yard. So schematically, I think he's showing some creativity. Let's remember, he took some shots deep in the FAU game um, that really broke that game open, some trick plays. I think right now, and, and I, I, I don't want to bash on players, it's a personnel thing on the offensive line more than anything. I don't think that – I do think – that plays into coaching because they recruit the players right. and 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 they coach the players. But we always I've I've heard Brett say this phrase more than any phrase is we got to find out what they can actually do and not ask them to do something they can't do. I don't know if the list is getting small by now because we keep asking them to do stuff that obviously hasn't hasn't worked. And so yes, is it is it more Barry? Is it more Brett? Is it more offensive line? Yes, to all of them, but I don't think any offensive scheme that you run, whether it's Georgia's power run game or whether it's air raid, would be successful with the way the offensive line has played thus far. They've been the most disappointing group, and I'm frankly concerned about their future moving forward as we could be out two, maybe three starters next year. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, I wanted to bring up this too, Jay, that the special teams miscues were just atrocious. Um, There's poor execution on this team all season. This team played clean football last year. Is that just experience? Um, Is is that a huge part of it? I think some of it is experience. We talk about special teams. I mean, again, let's say we have starters for three or four years, like we did on the back end or with some of these guys. You're going to have those special teams guys largely behind them for a long time, right? And so maybe your special teams are a little more solid last year. Now you have those special teamers become starters and brand new special teams are never played at all, right? So that's an issue. So I think some of it's experience. Some of it was just, first of all, I almost got one block, one punt block prior. I thought it was blocked and then he just barely got it off. Uh, Hugh uh, Robertson got it off. And then the second one was the rugby, and it was just kind of strange what, what happened. Like, was he faking? Was he not? Right. It sounds like that he went too far But when, when you listen to Brett's comments. And then the, the, the two kickoffs in a row that were a disaster. It, it just seems like altogether coaching, the win should be an advantage for us playing at Memorial Stadium. We go against it all the time. It's good for one or two games coming out of the South that it's going to be whipping in there and which should be an advantage. It should not be something that we're surprised about. Everybody in the Big Ten knows about it. We should be the best at it. We practice on the field. Just what we just weren't ready on a lot of different levels. Uh, let me go back to the offense for one more. Obviously, the short yarded situations. Barry tried a tush push. He tried, you know, 
feeding it to Isaiah Williams, which if Henry Boyer blocks it, uh, that's a touchdown. They tried Reggie Love. Then later in the game, they tried Caden Fagan. What do you do if you're him at the goal line or short yardage? Well, it's, it's, it, 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 it certainly hasn't been for, for lack of trying on fourth down. If there's one if there's one guy that actually he trusts his offensive line more than anybody, it's, it's, it's Brett Bielema, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going for it. I'm still I, – I, the, the tush-push has been – is now – in vogue, right? When I mean, we see it all over the place, I have been seeing kind of a a change in how it's called. To me, if you look across college football, it was almost a given. You got a half a yard by default on any QB sneak. They are not giving that half yard now. I've seen this not just the Illinois game. I've seen this in another name game. I've seen this in other things. They're not giving that half yard just because you've snuck the ball or put the ball over. So one, we're not getting great push on that. Two, it just seems like we, I mean, I saw Fagan fight through for one of them, but he also got stopped on one of them. It just seems we we don't have a, a lot of grinding through tackles at the point of attack. We just, it just, we don't. And we're not getting great push. When we try to attack the edge with Isaiah Williams, we miss a block, right? So I don't have any, any good answers at this point? Obviously, the coaching staff who's getting paid a lot more than me and you don't have a ton of good answers either. So, you know how I've thrown up my hands, Jay? I just give give the ball the number one. He's he's my best player. I'm I, with uh, the running back situation the way it is. I'm just gonna give the ball the number one ten to fifteen times a game. That that is because he is your one consistent is Isaiah Williams. Isaiah Williams. Yeah, he, I I would say that's fair to say. I also think it's it's strange that. They just don't feel comfortable snapping the ball yeah. uh, under center. It, you, you should be able to snap the ball under center at this level for a couple plays if you need to do it and whatnot. And there's a lot of good goal line plays that allow the running back to get going with the quarterback under center a little bit better. And then you also bring in uh, the naked bootleg off of that, which is a staple uh, goal line play. And you know, another staple two-point conversion play or short yardage play is is the rub route, which it's you know a little little flat route out to the out to the edge, which we haven't really been able to execute great other than to Pat Bryant, I believe, in game one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a lot of different options, but Isaiah Williams would be a good good uh, option. Yeah, I wondered the under center thing. One, it could be a Josh Kurtz undersized. I mean, against Hutmaker, yeah. that, that Hutmaker's really good. He, he's a good nose yeah. tackle. Yeah. Uh, and then it's Luke Allmeyer's skinny for a quarterback, right? Like, uh, so personnel wise, I understand. I didn't love the tush push because I didn't think it was your strengths. Yeah, no, and and you know, sometimes they bring in other guys. Like uh, we're playing Maryland this week. I mean, a lot of times they bring in Billy Edwards for the tush push because mm-hmm. they don't want Talia, who's a who's a slight built guy, to actually get hit. Uh, so. Caden Fagan, I would love that's, to see him maybe at quarterback. Yeah. You know, bring him in uh, and bring him in the Wildcat. I think we'll actually see him at Wildcat this week. So, yeah. Uh, maybe Isaiah Williams in the Wildcat. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah Williams in the Wildcat, too. Something like that. Cause obviously he was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, with, with with Caden Fagan next to him, probably. Yeah. Or Ashton Hollins is really skinny, but he's really long, Jay. So, maybe you can just put the ball over the line. I, I tell you what, there's a guy. He was a bright spot for me yeah. uh, in the game. You know, he's been a bright spot for me the last two weeks. We had a block punt against Purdue. 
picked up a fumble in the end zone against Purdue, wasn't called a touchdown, had a, had a catch or two, had a catch against FAU. That's a guy that has, can, when he's got an opportunity, has made plays. I think he's yeah. a guy that can, can work his way into the roster. I'm very excited to announce our new partnership with Underdog Fantasy. We decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. You can 20 times your money by going five for five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, you got to check this one out. This year's best ball mania has 15 million in total prizes up for grabs, with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code OLINI and get your first deposit doubled up to $500. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code OLINI to get your first deposit doubled up to $500. That's a new deal. It was previously $100, now it's $500. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. RJ, any bright spots on defense? I mean, obviously... 20 points for Nebraska. It's not a good offense, but they were put in terrible situations time after time. So what did sure. you see from the defense? Yeah, well, I, I thought, you know, I'm still not crazy about the way our linebackers fill holes, although I think Dylan Rosiak was better. Uh, I think Dylan Rosiak, by the time he gets down here, is going to be a football player. He's stout at the point of attack. He's got the speed. He's undersized, but – we just don't have a ton of experience at linebacker with Tariq Barnes out. Uh, I think Odaluga, uh, how do I say his word? Kanea? Kanena, yeah. Kanena. I think Kanena Odaluga is a guy athletically, obviously built like a superhero or whatever, um, fits in. He's still learning how to play the position. He's athletic enough to make up for it. I think James Cruz is probably the most instinctive of them all, although Rosiak's pretty instinctive. I feel really good about those three long-term. So I think that's a bright spot. Johnny continues to get an amazing amount of pressures if you actually watch the tape and his penetration. Uh, so I think he's been a bright spot. Um, Harper made a lot of plays. I think he uh, balled. Some of those were, you know, 10 yards down the field and weren't uh, the tackle amount was a little bit uh, was a little bit probably skewed. I thought Xavier Scott did a tremendous job on the pick with his adjustment and disguise so you're talking about what are we seeing flashes of certain things those are some of the flashes that i see i was really happy with their sudden change defense a turnover happens and then bowing up given given three points in the second half this is a defense that i feel like has improved from the kansas team that we saw of course nebraska and kansas is like night and day <laughs> offensively yeah. but i do think they're improved from what they were playing like against kansas and some of that's experience we're just not getting enough production from our corners for the most part. Uh, my Strain hasn't played great. Zach Toby is young. He's going to be good. Uh, Taz has had his, has his issues, but really what we're missing is the outside linebackers. We, we just have not had a ton of production. One, pressure on the quarterback, but two, setting the edge. Yeah. Uh, I, I just have not seen it from, from, from Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes. I think Gabe is an NFL football player. I think Seth can be an NFL. That's that thing. If, if I didn't think they – oh, let's use Brett's line. we got to ask them to do what they can do. 
I think those guys can do everything. Yeah. I think Dave and Seth can do everything. So it's 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 befuddling to me because these are guys that had a lot of production last year uh, under you know the defense they ran last year, and this year it seems like they're not nearly a biggest part of the plan. So I want, to, I want to ask you, Jay, because we've asked about it the last couple of weeks uh, about the, the lack of production from those guys. And it's not just sacks. It's a pressures, right? It's disruptions. And you used the term Velcro before and, and just they're struggling to get off blocks. Right. And, and, or is it more scheme related where these guys aren't getting as, in as many one on ones uh, because they're not rushing as many guys because, uh, you know, they're sitting in the coverage. So what do you see? Like, why is that happening? Well, that's a great question. I don't think we're rushing as much as we ran rushed last year as far as the five-man rush. I haven't seen that as much. At the same time, usually Johnny or Keith, one of those guys is getting double teamed. Mm-hmm. Usually, okay, which is a rarity for interior linemen to, you know, demand that kind of double team. So that means that either Seth or Gabe or who's ever in there, Alec Bryant, I know Zeke Holmes has played a little bit, uh, is going to have one-on-one matchups. And quite, quite honestly, I just don't think they've been violent in getting off of blocks. I, I, like they used to call me the Velcro man because I, my first couple of years, I could not get off a block to save my life. And so I would go and like, like you said, I, I'd go up and up on a block and I'd just latch on, right? Yeah. And kind of fat fight. And if you're a defender, you know, rule number one is get off your block. There's always gonna be someone in the, bo- in the box. If you're in the box as a defender, there's gonna be someone that you know is going to have you as their guy to block so you're always going to be accounted for you've got to defeat your block and then make the play we're not violent with our hands getting off the blocks we're not able to get around people it just it, I, I i'm not saying that about johnny and keith because i've seen them manhandle yeah. some people and I'm, I'm certainly not throwing them that but from the outside linebacker position i just haven't seen the violence in getting off blocks i would argue that dylan rosiak's been better at getting off the of blocks than some of the outside linebackers just using leverage and he's undersized but has good pop and so I've seen better better job out of him than the outside linebackers. Yeah, it's that violence. Like Rosiak, it stands out. Like he'll make mistakes, like you said, Jay, but he's he's just a violent guy taking on blocks. Yeah, no, he's very violent. He's got the athleticism and he's it's more just a just a reps thing. I think he started probably well, he started six games. Right. And he's rotated some of that. He's only gonna get better and and he's a guy that attacks the line of scrimmage. Um it stands out with Rosiak. So I think I think that's the difference I want to see. Yeah. All right, Jay. Maryland, is this their toughest task yet? Good question, right? Um, here's the thing. I, I, I've been really impressed with Maryland. I've got to watch two of their games all the way through. Um, offensively, this is the best offense they'll, they'll face th- thus far. Defensively, they certainly don't have the dudes like a Penn State would have but they've been playing at a very high level from a team defense perspective, both forcing turnovers and they had some crazy stat uh, up until last week. And the Buckeyes are usually, you know, streak breakers, but they had kept like, I, I think it was like the last six opponents under 21 points or something like that. So something pretty good from a scoring defense perspective. Uh, so that defense has gotten a whole lot better. We've always known that Maryland's had athletes. Uh, whether and they, they hit the transfer board, Caden Prather, obviously a West Virginia transfer. Uh, they've had Jay Sean Jones there for a long, long time. Um, Dyke, Corey Deitches is a good football player. They, they've got all kinds of weapons all over the field. But 
What I haven't seen out of Maryland, which has been surprising, is Mike Loxley likes to run the ball out of the spread. They haven't run the ball particularly well with Roman Hemby, but they're still solid enough to run the football. I mean, it's not just a dynamic run game. So do I think they're the best team? I think in a one-on-one matchup, I think Penn State would actually eke them out because the athletes they have on the defensive side of the ball and just the sheer size of the Penn State running backs. But Talia gives you a chance in every game Mm -hmm. uh, to score and to score fast. I think this is the most explosive offense we have in the entire conference. I'll even put that up against Ohio State. And the reason is, look at the way they're able to score. I was covering this game. It was uh, Indiana versus Maryland. Maryland had nine minutes of time of possession in the first half and 27 points. We're not going to do a time of possession. They're, just gonna, they're going to do big plays. And so I really like this Maryland football team. I think they're a 9-1 football team. That possibly a 10-1 football team uh, during the regular season. So I'm excited to, to watch them play. All right, Jay, uh, I want to ask you any lock stories here in a second. But uh, Josh McCray is out for this season. Reggie Love is likely out for this game. Caden Fagan and Aiden Lawfrey at running back. What, what can we expect? What do you hope to see out of those guys? Yeah, so I think Caden Fagan is as good as advertised. I think he's – I'd love to see him get into the rhythm of I've got, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 carries in the game and see what he can do. I'd also like to see some creativity with him a little bit. Uh, let him run the counter play. Let's not just do up the middle. Let's run the counter play. What can he do on a toss sweep? What can he do uh, out of the out of the – wildcat position which he ran in high school uh Aiden Lawfrey is a guy who has a certain skill set he's going to struggle in protection we've seen him struggle in protection but he's a guy we've got to get out in space and I believe you could possibly if you could ever protect it put him as another receiver in an empty set uh and see what his receiving capability is you know in in a like it'll match up on a backer because you know safety is going to try to match up with Isaiah Williams but put him there so uh I'm, I'm excited to see what these guys do. Obviously, these are our two busts with Jordan Anderson getting hurt as well. So now it's two running backs done for the season and our best running back banged up. Uh, that's not what you want from any program. So uh, I'm excited to watch him play, though. Yeah. All right, Jay, any uh, Mike's Loxley stories? I know he's the other side of the ball, but uh, he brought some uh, some dudes to Champagne, that's for sure. Well, he always brought some dudes. I never forgot when I first saw Derek McPherson. He was probably the most highly touted recruit in 2005. Derek didn't end up finishing here at Illinois for, for various reasons, but he was a different-looking athlete. Kind of the first one I saw. Uh, Aurelius Ben, uh, he looked like he was 30. I always say that when he got here, he second day, I, I spent four years trying to uh, hang clean 315, and uh, he did it his second day here. And I said, that's why he's a five-star and I'm zero-star. So that's why I understood the difference there. Uh, and of course, Vante, you know, Vante was not that highly touted out of high school. I think he was a three-star guy, but the moment Vante got here, he just moved different than a lot of people. Um, and even Will Davis, great athlete. Yeah. I'll be talking about a lot of, a lot of production of the defensive line. So we knew the recruit. I think my, my, my most favorite lock story, and, and, and we laugh about this every time I interview him on Big Ten Network or I'm in College Park. Uh, and, and, and he'll, he'll bring it up because he was mad. It's the first year I'm, a sophomore on defense since 2005 and uh i'm and we're playing at rantoul high school we had we had this scrimmage at rantoul high school I don't, I don't think they do that anymore but it was like this uh fall scrimmage right so it's like the kind of near the end of camp because we had camp rantoul and the defense really dominated the offense offense was struggling at that time you know, some of the same issues we have now unfortunately the <laughs> offensive line and and 
I was feeling pretty good about myself. And, and usually I'm, I'm, I'm kind of guarded when I talk to the media or paper, but, but, but Lauren Tate comes up and I, I love Lauren, good, great friend with him. Saw you had a picture with him the other day. And, and, Lauren, and Lauren goes, well, what'd you think about that offensive line out there? And I said, man, it was like a sieve out there. There was leaks everywhere. And uh, we were getting it left and right. Well, I didn't think much of it. And then in the paper the next day, I saw what it said. And then I also talked to Bob Asmussen the next day. And Bob's like, hey, did you see that article that Lauren wrote? I said, yeah, I saw it. He's like, oh, what do you think about that line he put in there? You know, because I, I don't think Bob would have put that line. Lauren didn't care, so he put it in there. <laughs> so anyway, long story short is, is is Loxley reads it, and I can just tell he's not happy. He didn't say anything to me. He's just not happy. He didn't say anything for a couple of days. So we get into nine-on-seven drills, which is basically, you know, offenses run the ball, let's run defense, and everybody knows everybody's running. And then we do some some blitz period, and they start running the ball pretty well. Pierre Thomas, I think, gashes us for two, three big runs. And Locke starts saying, oh, man, what a sieve over there. There's such a sieve and such a – oh, man, it's a sieve. And so he goes like this for two or three. So I come to him and say, Coach, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for saying that. I want to apologize to the offensive line. I don't want to talk about my teammates like that. So I did apologize to the offensive line. And I apologize to the locks. And he's like, oh, no, it's okay. We just You, you guys are just a sim over there. I didn't even know what that word meant until I had to look it up, what it meant. So every time I, I talk to him now, literally, uh, well, before the camera starts, uh, you know, I'm interviewing him at College Park. I'm on the field. Hey, how's that sieve doing? We just we just start laughing. <laughs> so it's the story of the sieve. He to this day, every time we we see each other, it's like, how about that sieve? But I got a lot of good memories of Mike Loxley. Obviously, a fantastic offensive mind. You talk about a guy who's grown as a as 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 a head coach from when he first started to what he is now. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a more improved head football coach than Mike's locks, Mike Loxley, and so I'm, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, he's done a great job at Maryland. Well, Jay Lehman, uh, maybe we'll have something better to talk about next week, but it's a tough task for yeah, Illinois. Yeah, you know we're filling up five minutes with a Mike Loxley story <laughs> on an Illinois podcast. We're really, really struggling for good stuff to talk about, but hopefully you'll listen. Hey, like, comment, subscribe. Helps the algorithm with this guy at Illini Inquire. We need to make this YouTube channel blow up, so do me a favor. If you like the content you're getting, like, follow, subscribe, and hit that bell for notifications. Look at this guy. Thank you, Jay. Come on. Great stuff from Jay Lehman. He always tells it like it is, which I always appreciate. Thank you for listening to the Illini podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. You can hit the notifications bell, subscribe to us, all of those things to get the latest from Illini Inquirer and Illinois football, basketball, analysis, interviews, press conferences, all of those things. Also, check out the latest at Illini Inquirer, more basketball content with media days and all of those things happening. And not too far away from exhibition games for Illinois basketball. So we got that covered as well. And, of course, Joey Wagner and I heading out to Washington, D.C. this weekend to see if the Illini can actually put together uh, a good game, a good four quarters. They're going to need it because Maryland is really, really good. We'll have more later this week on the Illini Enquirer podcast. But, everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.